0: Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre cast. we got around a table, we discuss some movies you'll never discuss in a film studies course. This week's film, as we uh, wrap up our song of praise uh, for Song Kang-Ho, the star of the Oscar-winning Parasite, we are looking at his film, A Taxi Driver, which does not involve Dane DeVito and taxi services, which is very, very disappointing to me.
1: It's a different joke than I told you you
0: weren't allowed to make at the end of last week's show. I will allow it. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, also, um, the dude from the train and ghost is in that. I was looking at some old episodes uh, not very long ago, and uh, kind of an undersung little character actor there. I don't know his name, but so I'm going to continue undersinging. I think him. I know exactly who you're
1: talking about, but I can't think of his
0: name either right now. But he's got a very very specific face, and he's quite tall. Uh, kind of got that Tom Noonan energy. From...
1: Oh, I was I was picturing Tom Noonan. Oh, he, never mind. He has he has that Tom Noonan energy. Oh, but he's in, yeah, yeah. That dude, yeah. Yeah, the guy that isn't Tom Noonan, but is equally as creepy. Yeah, he's got the same. That's in Ghost? That's in Ghost, yeah. Yeah, That does the dirt, that does the deed? Yeah, but he's in another thing, too, playing a,
0: anyway, not important. Not important. Uh, No,
1: we're not talking about the TV show Taxi today.
0: We could, though. We're not. Okay, in that case, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And uh, we're here to talk about this movie. Uh, just to warn you, dear listener, this is not a review show. It's an analysis show, and that does mean we're going to spoil the ending of the movie, which, um, you know, history has kind of done that. But it's on our side. But <laughs> is it? Is it? I have some notes. <laughs> I've done some research. I, I believe uh, we may wrestle with some of those questions. Uh, From but, a spoiler standpoint, it's on our side. Sure. Time is on our side, the Rolling Stones once said, but I'm not sure that's true either. Nonetheless, um, not on Mick's side. Uh, no, no, no. He's been dead for 50 years. He's still doing concerts. It's really strange, except for not Hey, now. we're all trying to make it. Well, yeah, nobody's doing a Boy, howdy. Uh, we made some light
1: uh, pandemic jokes at the start of uh, last week's episode over the host. and It has only gotten more that serious escalated, it, it?
2: It, quite quickly. We haven't gone remote yet. Um, We'll see what happens.
1: Look, we we are uh, being mindful of our distances from each other. I'm not spending time around anybody but these two. I disinfected mics and
2: headphones. Um,
1: I told Arthur he can't kiss me anymore.
2: It's a sad day.
1: Yeah, Dustin and I normally get a lot of uh, mutual face touching going on uh, during our uh, fired up sections. Almost Um,
2: continually, yes. uh, Depending on how things pan out, you might hear a lot more from us (laughs) as we (laughs) launch a series of (laughs) spinoffs. (laughs) <laughs> just to take to up fill, the time, to fill, fill the boredom <laughs> the as, void as we wait
1: up. to see whether or not democracy can weather a global pandemic.
0: Oh boy. Um well anyway, uh so this being a review show not an analysis show, that does mean the spoilers are going to happen. However, we're going to have a slight spoiler reprieve at the first half of the show. Um you guys talked about this sh- uh this movie being available on HBO Go. It seems like that was re- Hulu. Hulu's where Hulu. I watched it. So yeah, I was just I, I was going to make that announcement that you can watch this on the Hulu. Yeah. So yep. uh Easy peasy. Yep. There you go. Uh, but uh, what we'll do is we'll have a synopsis from the uh, Mr. Arthur Gordon, um, who used to be the voice of the cinema. Now he's just the voice of the Dollar Theater. And uh, from there, we move... Until that gets closed down. <laughs> until there's no more of anything. Uh, then we'll move into our thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews of the film. We'll then expand the syllabus, which will be slightly spoiler light. And then we get down to analysis, and that's when all spoiler bets are off. You've been warned, dear listener. I'm done doing the warnings and disclaimers and other indemnifications. Arthur, can you please provide us with that synopsis, please?
2: Set amidst the Guangzhou riots of the 80s, a taxi driver is the retelling of one journalist's attempt to get coverage of what was happening in the area and the sole taxi driver he hired to help him get there. Mr. Kim is behind on rent. His daughter needs new shoes, and things are generally not going well until he overhears a taxi driver discussing a high-priced fare that's going to Guangzhou. Mr. Kim decides to steal the fare... Ignorant of the dangers awaiting him and his fair in Guangzhou. There, the two men butt heads as to whether to stay or go. Mr. Kim turns a blind eye to his government's military state until he discovers firsthand how bad it is. But will he and his fair be able to get out and get word of the riots to outside nations? This is A Taxi Driver, one of uh, Korea's most popular movies the year it came out. I think it's the ninth highest-grossing yeah, film of all time. Still holds that record there. Uh, it's yeah. one of songs. Uh, I think it's his third uh, film to reach that status. Uh, it was very well received. It had about twenty to twenty-five award nominations out of about fifty, to, or wins out of about fifty nominations. Wow! Uh, so it was very well received, very well uh, reviewed. Um, I think critically, it's probably one of the the better reviewed movies we've done this this marathon, um, kind of across the board. So that makes sense. Yeah. Totally checks out, actually. There's that.
0: All right. Well, there you go, dear listener. Um, So let's go ahead and begin with those uh, initial reactions. What do you say, Dalton? Do you like A Taxi Driver?
1: Well, it makes sense that this film uh, does kind of end up being across the board, one of the highest rated films we've done in this marathon, because uh, it, it is kind of the most middle brow. And I don't mean that as a... a You're back, not wrong. Yeah, it, it comes across very much, you know, we, we spent a lot of time this marathon talking about uh, the formal inventiveness, the genre inventiveness of, of Korean cinema at large, and, and just within Song Kang Ho's filmography, um, we've spent a long time in the last three weeks talking about that. And this film does kind of feel the most like a traditional classical Hollywood Oscar bait film. Uh, and again, I, I don't mean that as any disrespect. I think every uh, every nation, uh, every national cinema, you know, should dabble uh, their their toes in that kind of serious issues film. Uh, dramatization of a big historical event type narrative uh I, I think that that's that's fertile ground for storytelling but it is a fairly conventional film uh you know throughout this marathon we've a couple of times been like okay hey you know the the premise of this show is we talk about films you don't talk about a film studies course and a lot of the movies we've talked about especially uh, sympathy for mr vengeance and the host are really highly regarded films within the canon of korean cinema uh, this is the first one where I don't feel like we need to make that caveat. I don't know that this one's going to come up even in uh, a survey of contemporary Korean cinema. Um, just because it is. It is, as said, kind of a, a right just across the board, crowd pleaser. It, it has no ambitious aims other than to dramatize an important uh, moment in history. Now, that said, it does that incredibly effectively. Uh, th- this film is just a a joy until it isn't um and it mm. kind of becomes very clear that that's what sort of film you're in for pretty quickly mm-hmm. um it, just the, the setup uh of uh nice people going about their nice lives even with their you know their very human struggles about uh, you know where to find the next story if you're the journalist character, or if you're Mr. Kim, how to make sure you can get caught up on rent. Uh, your best buddy being your landlord is not helping. Like that's that's a very human situation. But again, we get a real fun kind of slice of life movie for the first bit until we get to Guangzhou, uh, and it does not take time much at all for the stakes to reveal themselves. And I, I think that is a. Uh, a great boon that this film has to offer is just a, a quick tutorial on uh, some basic uh, Korean history. I did not know that South Korea had a military dictatorship for most of its existence as a government. I was unaware as well. A lot of history uh, got revealed to me in the first uh, like minute of this movie and led to me doing a lot of research that was uh, quite fruitful and, and good knowledge. So again, if nothing else, this, this film uh, is presenting outsiders uh, with a, a glimpse into uh korea's very complicated political history um uh, that that kind of just value of the film stuff aside uh it, it is great it's really well shot uh there are some some sequences uh later on during the actual uh protesting um that, that we will maybe discuss the merits of later but i feel like some of them go on a little too long um kind of end up deadening the impact that the the violence of uh uh, you know, the, the armed military against the unarmed protesters. Um, I don't know. I, I wrestle with the, some of the shooting of the sequences. We'll get there later. Uh, but I feel like they're effective overall in communicating, like, the real human and emotional stakes of what's going on. Um, it does kind of tie everything up in a nice, neat little bow. And the more I've learned about what has actually resulted, the, the legacy and the aftermath of the Gwangju uprising, the more I've learned about that, the more the kind of neatness of this ending uh, I, I wrestle with but uh, again this is still a hotly contested issue within Korea so it makes sense that the film does kind of g- go out on the human note as opposed to the the larger uh, yeah. Political, uh, sociological, like implications yeah. of this event,
0: but I'm looking forward to you, for you telling me more about that.
1: Yeah, I, I look. I did not become an expert uh, on Korean history in the last week, but yeah, I, I looked up a little bit, so yeah, I'll be able to give you something. Uh, one thing uh, that th- this film has to offer uh, outside of you know the just you know teaching you about history is a uh, curmudgeonly Song Kang Ho, which I don't feel like we've gotten in this marathon yet, uh, and I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, th- th- just this sort of. Uh, uh curmudgeon through survivalism uh sort of thing. Like it, it isn't mean spirited at all, but he 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 will shortchange anybody he can. Uh because that's how you know tight his budget is. Yeah. Uh, hey you gotta hustle. You do. Um but that that kind of curmudgeonly nature that he's imbibed with gives that character a really interesting arc in terms of his his interest in both in politics and in what is going on uh in Guangzhou. Like it just kind of really uh, paints a, a great picture. Um, we, we, this is probably a good time to mention that uh, uh, this the sto- story is only based on a true story, in so much as that, a German r- journalist ended up in Guangzhou with a, a taxi driver who didn't speak great English. Um, all the you know the personal details have been peppered in by the screenplay. Uh, because nobody really knows who this guy was. Um I don't I've tried to do some research to see if anybody has like found this guy. Uh his son did come
2: out. Okay. Uh and <clears throat> made the announcement that I think after the film came out he made the re- reveal um, he had a picture of his dad with with the journalist. Oh, okay. Um, but I guess uh, Mister Kim, the the real uh, mm-hmm. driver, passed away in eighty four from cancer. Oh, wow! So oh, not wow. long after the events of the movie. Oh my gosh! Taken place. Mercy, mercy. Wow. I wonder. Well, yeah, because
1: uh, Thomas Kretschmann, uh, or I am sorry, Jürgen Hinspeter, uh, Thomas Kretschmann plays him. Uh, but Hinspeter, uh, as the film uh, ends on, and this doesn't feel like too big of a spoiler. I know we try to avoid spoilers here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he died without ever meeting this guy again. Yeah. Uh, so the, the screenplay did have to do a lot in terms of figuring out what Mr. Kim's life would have looked like. Uh, and I think it does a great job uh, of trying to find a motivation for why why this guy is the way he is. Um, and I, I think it's, it's really great. Again, c- centering uh, your true story on the protagonist you actually know the least about uh, is, is a bold move. But I, I think it gives you more room to color outside the lines uh, and, and try to write a character that makes sense um, when, you know, the the, the person driving uh, things is, is actually, you know, uh, the Peter character. Um, but for him to be a fish out of water, uh, you know, that's a different story. And if this movie gets made with uh, literally any, like anywhere else by anybody else, Peter's the lead Mm -hmm. uh and and it makes sense for mr kim to be the lead obviously because this is a story about south korea uh and to have the the korean protagonist be the least interested uh person in the political situation uh i think is just really interesting dramatic fodder um really especially when this is an event that's still uh, a big left right uh point of contention within contemporary south korea uh you know it's still something that is a political hot button issue there um having that choice to have somebody who's kind of sees themselves as apolitical or moderate being in the, in the central role, um, that, that opens up a lot of avenues. And we'll probably talk more about the storytelling options that gives you, uh, in a, based on a true story, uh, when we get into, uh, business time. But yeah, I'm a fan. I, I like this, uh, a lot. I, I think I might like it the least of this marathon, um, just because it's not quite as inventive or daring as anything we've looked at so far. But in terms of, just um, the, the magic of cinema to transport you to a time and a place and make you feel a certain way. I, I think, yeah, it, it passes uh, all, all of those metrics with flying colors.
0: All alrighty, alrighty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Spirit. Hey, Arthur. Hey. Hey, do you like this movie?
2: Um, yeah, I, I, I really do uh, enjoy it um, quite a bit. Uh, I think I really wish, in hindsight, we had done this first. Because uh, I think that would have laid a lot of groundwork uh, politically uh, for yeah, the other movies we for did. for sure, yeah. Because um, the student protest
1: uh, culture within Korea has come up in, I think, all, all of the other films we've yeah, Especially discussed. in the host, because especially you know their brother the was one of these guys
2: yeah. that's out there on the front lines, yeah. and then the, the government and the country just kind of spit in his face. Um, so I, you know, I think it would have been an interesting place to start but you know we were doing this more of a kind of chronological look um and it's about a 10-year jump from the host to a taxi driver um so you know songs done quite a bit in that time span and um I kind of come to an older you know more curmudgeonly version as you as you say i think it's a nice natural ending because uh, he feels very at one with uh, the mr kim character he'd play in in parasite sure um and so i i like that kind of uh, circular element to it uh, the movie itself, yeah, to Dalton's point, uh, the thing I kept thinking about was this is a very Western movie uh, in its way. and, and
1: I, I It feels think, designed to appeal to, to Western audiences a little bit, yeah. You know,
2: it's a film a,
0: festival movie, it almost feels like. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I'm wondering if this isn't something to do with just Hun Jong's uh, direction. Um, he hasn't been as active as the other directors of, of the uh, Korean New Wave. Um, this is only his fourth movie. Uh, he starts in 2008. So he's kind of behind the curve in that. So I'm wondering if he's not a little more inspired uh, by more of a Hollywood cinema mm. and if this story isn't more fitting to that kind of a narrative. The other thing I kind of kept thinking about was just due to the style is, you know, a Green Books so or You're Driving Miss Daisies where you have that dynamic uh, between two different cultural uh, standards. And so um, I thought that was kind of a unique uh, takeaway because it does feel very much like a movie. I could have watched you know, a very American movie in that regard. Uh, I still really like it. Um, I think it does a lot of that still kind of genre-bending, tonal stuff, not quite the same way as The Host or a, a Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, but the way it is able to navigate between comedy and tragedy and terror uh, yeah. in, in the small moments is, is brilliant. Uh, the way it builds its characters uh, and gives you a, a really good hook uh, for each of them, whether it is Mr. Kim or or what's his name? Hintz Peter. Hins, Peter. Hintz Peter. Hintz Peter. <laughs> uh, I think they called him Peter for short, uh, according to Wikipedia. Um, and I will, too. Um, but I think, you know, we get some good time with them. And even the uh, the student protester um, who we meet, um, I can't think of his name, um, who's kind of central once they get to Guangzhou, though. Uh, I, I think the movie does a good job of giving you something to care about and root for in each of them. And I like uh, viewing this from Mr. Kim's perspective and his kind of uh, state mentality that he's, you know, kind of forced to face his demons there. Um, and then as a journalism movie, I, I think it works very well in, in kind of reminding us why journalism is important, uh, and especially in, in a historical context. And so, you know, I don't think it's up in there in the upper tier of journalism movies, but I think it's still a very good kind of newspaper journalist movie. Um, And I appreciate that about it. But the direction I think is really solid. I I think the scale and the scope of shooting those scenes um, in Guangzhou, especially once the riots take place, I think works. Whether or not they go on too long, you know, that could be debated. But I think the actual visual style Mm. on display is is very good, uh, especially kind of moving from this more lighthearted, introspective moments in Seoul. Um, Song is is great. I I love his performance here. He feels very well-rounded now uh, as a much older performer. And you can kind of see why he was, you know, quote-unquote as as Heathen put it the tom hanks of, of korea um and kind of you know i guess korea's dad mm-hmm. uh, you know i don't know but uh I, I do appreciate that about him and just his, his ability to play across a range of, of genres and, and styles um and he just does so much he's a very physical performer and i appreciate that but he's also just very emotive and, and uh funny and dramatic and i think he can kind of do it all and so I, I really dug it quite a bit i might be a little warmer on it than dalton um I I liked it quite a bit and it may just be more of the familiarity with it. You know, it does feel very more what I'm used to in cinema. And so, yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. I highly recommend it. And, uh, Yeah. Big
0: fan. All right, very good, very good. Thank you very much for that, Mister Arthur Gordon. Uh, this movie is totally Korean Oscar bait um, as a style uh, of cinema. And the thing about Oscar bait, and I, and I, you know, it's, it's sort of a pejorative term that we use for these kinds of biopics, historical dramas, etc. Um, but part of the reason why they work so well, and they are sort of again baiting the Oscars, is they are commercially successful you know, uh, slightly more high-minded films. I mean, the definition of what would be middlebrow, And the reason why there are so many of them made is because even when they don't win Oscars, they make money, and they do both of those things, win Oscars and or make mm-hmm. money, because they're good they're they're entertaining to watch. It's it's yeah. enjoyable as a cinematic experience. And uh I have to say that is the case with the taxi driver. It's a, it's a good movie. It's it's a movie that I enjoy watching. And it is uh you know there are uh, of course harrowing moments and there are moments that are, you know, uh the violence is quite, you know, scary and those kind of things, but it's not uh, offensive in any way. Um, The offense is in terms of ideas. The offense is in terms of the sort of horrors of what takes place. The offense is sort of the way in which it gets your moral hackles up. And uh, that's the only place where these kinds of films play around with the idea of offense. And it does that, and it does that very, very well. And so, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed watching this movie. Uh, It is probably the most watchable movie that we've done during this marathon. Um, That being said, it's not the best movie. It's not my favorite movie. But it's so stinking watchable and mostly because of Song Kang Ho. I mean he's great. I yeah, mean, he's, he's amazing. He's doing a great performance there. And you know whoever plays Pieter, uh he's 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 good too. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, Tom, Thomas Cratchman, you've you've seen him in things. Uh he was uh he, he was in a Marvel movie. Uh which one? Uh, Age of Ultron and uh, the post-credits for Winter Soldier. He's yeah. in like 30... Yeah, he's a Baron Von uh, Strucker or whatever. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in like five minutes. Yeah, of I remember Marvel now. It's fun yeah. Though. But yeah, you've seen him in other stuff. He's uh, he's in Blade 2. Um, he's one of the
2: vampires. Yeah, you've seen Checks him. Checks out. Yeah. Uh, there is a shot of him, I think, in the back of the taxi at one point. And I did a double take because I thought it was... Uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Game of Thrones? Jorah? Uh, oh, yeah. I thought it was Jorah for a second. I was like... Uh-huh. And yeah. to double check <laughs> I was like that'd be a much more interesting movie. I' be down for that, yeah, yeah,
0: but uh, yeah, so I mean everything works uh I, and i, I don 't think it does uh get too long in places. I think everything it does I, I think it does quite well and does to to the appropriate and proper effects, and so yeah i I super super watchable, super, super fun um and interesting in terms of its politics and its sort of big ideas sure. and so yeah i I am very, very warm, i might maybe warmest in the room. On uh the eh, well we can arm wrestle about who's warmer later, uh, after COVID goes away, uh Fair enough. but nonetheless uh, you can be waiting for a while now. It's one. gonna be a hot night. July to August. That's why I'm mm-hmm. hoping he'll forget because he'll win <laughs> <laughs> by a
2: lot. Editor's uh, note remember
0: to. arm wrestle Dustin on the air. That's going to be great podcasting content right there, I tell you. So uh, there you go, dear listener. Those are our biases. They're generally pro. Uh, Let's move on though and expand uh, the syllabus. So you're teaching this movie as part of a class and uh, you can talk about whatever kind of class it is or whatever kind of module it is and you can also talk about what you would use to uh, appendicize uh, this film. Other films and or readings and how you'd go about it. I go to you first, Arthur. What do you Say How would you uh,
2: Teach this film uh, I would uh, You know call, Let's call it Stop the presses um, I like that But I, I want to talk About journalism and film uh, This is something I actually kind of Did some research on When I was in My master's uh, program For one of my classes Trying to do like A genre study Of, of newspaper films And journalism mm-hmm. films And defining those traits I remember you um, doing that Yeah it's been a long time Though when I forgot Most of the research Anyway <laughs> Doesn't matter Um But it was a thing I I was interested in. I'm still interested in it. I think a good journalism movie is important, and it's important for the culture to kind of be reminded of that. And once every five to ten years, a great one comes out. Um, And I think, you know, this is one of the good to great ones. I I really do. But uh, I I think for this class, I would use a textbook called Journalism in the Movies by Matthew Ehrlich. um, Good call. uh, To define some of the the tropes of of journalism and film and newspaper films and and to kind of see the pulse mattering, you know, from His Girl Friday to. Spotlight and just the differences that lay in there. shot quarter, I believe is the other one, Samuel Fuller. Um, I believe it's shot quarter. Um, that I'm thinking of, yes. Um, and so that, that would be kind of the textbook uh, for this course. Uh, and then I would just go back. I would go with Billy Wilder's ace in the hole. Talk about it all the time, but I think it's key. Mm, um, it's a great movie just to highlight the kind of, pandemonium of the press and the history of that and you know under the big tent i believe was the original working title of that movie before they renamed it later uh and that big tent thing is still relevant today as it ever was yeah
1: you watch that film and uh ca- cable news feels like an inevitability uh less than like oh. a uh, yeah. an anomaly
2: oj was the only out out <laughs> out uh natural uh conclusion to that movie yeah the oj simpson trial um so I'd start there, Billy Wilder. Uh, then I'd move into the 70s. i got to do All the President's Men. You've yep, got to do that. Yeah, yep. Um, and, and that's, I think, the the cornerstone of these sorts of uh, procedural films and, and news films and, and journalism films. And so you've got to look at All the President's Men. Uh, from there, I'm going to move into the early aughts. And we're going to look at George Clooney's Good Night and Good Luck about Edward R. Murrow uh, taking on McCarthy I think it's one of the great movies of the, of the two thousands. Uh, I, I think it's some of you know Clooney's best work as a director, and just uh, uh, David Strathairn, uh, love him to death. Love and him. He's incredible in that movie as as Edward R. Murrow. Um Very good film. If you haven't seen it, and, and then I want to kind of move into the obsession and the obsessive nature of journalism, and I got to talk about David Fincher's Zodiac. Sure. Um, nice. And put that on there. I, I, I appreciate that movie. Uh, tackling it from the journalism perspective rather than the investigative, uh, police uh, approach, I think, think that adds a different layer and texture to that. And, and approaching it through Gillen Hall is is a great approach and uh, very smart move by uh, Fincher. Uh, but then finally, as I mentioned, I'm going to end it with Spotlight. Uh, I, I think you know it's one of the greats uh, of journalism films and just film in general, a very important film. Very. Um, a vital film, impression film uh, to this day, even though it's only like five years old, it's yeah. still as relevant now as it was uh, then. And I think those kind of speak to the power of of journalism as a historic tool and how it can majorly impact a, a culture or society or a group of people um, and the ultimate life or death stakes of journalism and, and how – um, sometimes you got to be the bad guy to get the good, the news out there, and what that looks like, and and I, I think uh, you know journalism is you know one of those tricky things nowadays, and um, the great journalists you know really do. Uh, change the game, and so I think that would be the direction for that class.
0: Very cool, very cool. Have you thought much about television
2: uh, with that? Like your Murphy Browns or your the newsroom? I didn't think about TV too much. I, you know, the newsroom probably come to mind. I just it, it, it's kind of a you inter- get to roast yeah. it a lot. Interesting failure. WXRP yeah. in Cincinnati, yeah, uh, news radio. Yeah, uh, oh, uh, yeah Obviously yeah, yeah, obviously news radio.
1: But, uh, Dustin, you bring up, I mean, an interesting failure, and I think the newsroom is good for that, right? How do yeah. you do this wrong? By right. thinking you're better than other people.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, that's Aaron's Sorkin's fundamental problem, but no. a whole other conversation. Yeah. Okay, very cool, very cool. I like it very much. Well, what do you say, Dalton? How would you expand the syllabus?
1: Well, I, I also took uh, – it's interesting. We could probably teach these classes together if we uh, package them together as a cinema of occupations. Because uh, I went with films about drivers, the noble profession of driving people around for a living. Uh, kind of a study of a working class cinema through yeah. that one specific profession. Yeah. Uh, and so that that is the trouble uh th- there's a lot of talk about movies about journalism and less talk about movies about people who drive so uh i had a hard time with this one but i really like the idea so you've
2: got driving miss daisy and drive
1: well i'll tell you what i've got <laughs> and days of thunder i'm actually less concerned <laughs> i feel like i came up with a pretty good list i'm i'm actually more concerned about the the theoretical component of this class mm. uh i know i've talked about um a nickel and Dime,d uh, on not getting by in America. You know the seminal work of uh, journalism uh, from the '90s about being working poor after the passage of the the 1996 uh, Welfare Reform Act. Uh, there's your Democrats in action, folks. Uh, Stripping entitlement programs, uh, working ever closer to the right. But again, like outside of, of that text uh, on, on working families, uh, this is kind of a, a harder class. So we probably have to do a little bit more research on. You know, can we get some good articles on? You know, the nature of uh, whether it's long-haul trucking or, you know, uh, chauffeur work. Uh, probably see if we could find some some work uh, on, on following those, uh, the lives of people in those professions. Um, you know, see if we could get some good research on how ride shares have changed the game yeah. for taxi drivers, things like that. Uh, but in terms of uh, what we're going to be looking at, cinematically speaking, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, collateral. Because, yep. uh, yep. I mean, Jamie Foxx is so good there. And I, I think really presents a fully well-rounded character. Um, a character who is limited only by his means, not by his like uh, internal uh, ability to succeed. It's, a, a, it's again a great study on uh, on just the ability for working within a system to a- allow you to keep putting off your dreams or, or allow you to have some big get out of uh, get out from under the boot of the system uh, idea. Um, and again, it's you know it's a fun crime movie, sure, but. Uh, I think Jamie Foxx's character really does kind of uh, present a fully realized and well-rounded interesting human being. Uh, I think we'd also look at Parasite, another film with Song Kang-ho, featuring him as a driver. Uh, very different circumstances than uh, within uh, this film. Uh, but I think those two together, uh, Parasite and a Taxi Driver, kind of uh, allow us to talk about two different kinds of driving. Uh, for money. Uh, and then we're going to look at Smokey and the Bandit, because it was the only trucker movie I could think of, but also I think there's a lot uh, there's a lot going on there. More yes. than you would think. It is a live-action cartoon, uh, but man, that is a, a film rife with stuff going on, whether it is uh, the antagonist being a racist small-town sheriff, uh, whether it is the uh, protagonists being booze runners for all intents and purposes. Uh, it's just a weird movie, but I, I think... Uh, will also give us uh, a little bit of a spotlight on kind of a, a, romantic, uh, a romanticization of trucker culture that America went through in the 70s and 80s, uh, and even the 90s to some extent, because I think that's when Sylvester Stallone's Over the Top comes out as 90, 91? Somewhere in, in there 80s, early 90s. Yeah, right. but anyway, I mean, there's like a two-decade kind of time span where truck drivers did get a little bit more interest just in like in terms of American cultural uh, cachet, uh, and I think Smoking the Band will be a good way to get in there. So uh, the last thing that we'll close on, speaking of uh, ride-sharing and how that has impacted taxi drivers, we might look a little bit at this indie game I played uh, earlier this year. Uh, I can't remember if it was released in 2018 or 19, but it's called Neocab. I think I might have discussed this on some Patreon content a while back, but uh, just a really interesting um, uh, dialogue simulation game. You don't actually do any driving. Uh, It is just a a series of simulated conversations between your fares. You decide who you pick up, uh, and depending on how those interactions go, that might impact your star rating. Um, And while all that's going on, there is a protest movement going on, The the kind of the actual arc of the story is um, some big sweeping legislation about uh, automated drivers uh, and how that's going to impact the, the remaining human drivers, um, and there's a big protest movement going on. So I think really Neocab is, is kind of the, the piece that pairs the best with a taxi driver because it is about people who are just trying to get by, caught up in a political situation and a political reality that impacts their ability to make money. Um, so I think that one's the most like, direct one-to-one um, interest, and I, I think looking at those two is going to be the most fun, looking at this uh, period piece set in a real political situation uh, and looking at this, this futuristic uh, neo-taxi uh, uh, cyberpunk game um, and just kind of looking at, all right, we've got a science fiction, we've got a historical drama, we've got a narrative film, we've got a video game. How of these tackle similar issues, uh, and I think that's going to be the most rife uh, analysis between those two directly. But I think all of these characters we will look at uh, through collateral and smoking the band and parasite, and maybe some supplemental readings. Uh, and again, oh, there's got to be more. Probably fill things out with thirty minutes or less. Taxi uh,
2: driver? It, we, we probably
1: have to do taxi driver. Yeah, I was trying to ignore the big E on the eye chart. Probably Patrick to... Swayze's Black Dog. Oh, forgot about I was that thinking one. About it. That's forgot the,
2: about that one. That's the the culmination of that. the trucker. Uh, yeah, we were, guys, we're gonna have to do that on the show. Oh, I, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> Randy <laughs>
1: Travis Meatloaf. Oh, yeah, we're gonna save that for our Patrick Swayze marathon. Uh, uh, so anyway, that's the class. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. Again, I think uh, do yourselves a favor though, y'all. Don't just Google movies about delivery drivers. You will get a lot of porn results. As soon as it happened, as soon as it happened, I was like, all right, shit, this makes sense. Okay, I should have been more specific with my search terms. Um, Yeah, I I really was looking, I was like, surely there's movies about just delivery drivers. Well, there are. There's a long and sordid canon uh, Not exactly what I was looking for, unfortunately Much different nice. syllabus <laughs> So, yeah, not the syllabus I was trying to build uh, Dustin, what are you, you going to talk about? <laughs>
0: uh, so, I'm going to call this little uh, module It's like almost half a class uh, You say you want a revolution uh, Is what I want to call it and, Student Films about student protest movements? Uh, yeah, but generally speaking, that, yeah I Yeah, mean, there's a lot of those. Protest movements in general And just the idea of protest itself As a uh, bit of political action mm-hmm. And so, um, obviously, uh, this film, A Taxi Driver Driver works very well into it. I uh, also I think a uh, Harun Farocki's uh, Videograms of Revolution, uh which is about the Romanian uh sort of spring uh in 1988-89. I forget mm-hmm. exactly what it happened. The movie was released in 1993, but it's uh it's a uh, avant-garde experimental piece that is uh stitching together all the uh television uh uh, coverage of okay. of of the uh, revolution as it took place which you know culminates in the execution of nikolai Sheshescu and uh, his wife um
1: uh, of course as we all know uh all all of us experts on uh, Romanian history.
0: Yeah yeah well I mean Ceaușescu was a bad guy. And But still that's whoa. Yeah uh, so it culminates in all of that which is I think just an interesting sort of beginning point. Uh then I want to look at the Ukrainian revolution of uh, 2014. Uh the movie's called Winter on Fire uh which is available on Netflix currently. I think
1: this was one of your favorite
0: films of the year it came out, actually. Yeah, it's a very good movie. I remember you talking about it. It's, it's super, super good. And so uh, looking at that and just, again, how this sort of moment against authoritarianism succeeded, sort of, question marks. Uh, and then uh, to add to those sort of, again, somewhat ambivalent, uh, results, uh, The Square, uh, which is about to hear Square in mm. Egypt, and uh, looking at those films. The uh, readings for this, uh, Joshua Clover's got a great book called Riot Strike, Riot. Joshua Clover, uh, you might recognize his name because he's the son of Carol Clover, famously of men, women, and chainsaws and film studies, and has written a number of great little film studies articles. I think I named dropped one of her essays on Singing in the Rain uh, not yeah. very long she ago. She comes so. up on this show pretty often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, her son, uh, Joshua Clover, uh, has a great book just on this sort of process of riots and strikes. riots uh, and political action, Mm. which is an interesting pattern to sort of think about uh, the protest as a form of riotousness. And then uh, Shlavoj Zizek's The Event, uh, which is a short little book from him where he talks about political action in terms of events and how we sort of reframe political history based on these particular things taking Mm. place and how you can engineer, construct, and uh, bring about the event in order to bring about future political change. And to think about those kind of things, because I would like for my uh, students, leave the room and you know, change the world. They probably won't, probably won't, uh, never do. Uh, nope. But that is uh, the goal and the sort of shape of the class and how it might look. So uh, there you go. Uh, that's your syllabus, dear listener. It has got quite a bit longer.
1: I'm surprised you didn't recommend. Uh, didn't you like that that movie about the French uh, student protests? Is a fairly recent film it's about them getting uh taken over something. Oh,
0: uh, Nocturama? thank you. Which is you know, it's not really a protest, they're kind of terrorists and mm-hmm. they're hold up for uh it's it, it's politically a little bit different. It does it does sort of uh, pull around some some Paris uh protesty kind of stuff gotcha. about it. I like it very much, but it's much more about their sort of uh their duplicity mm, okay. and so it, it's sort of raising slightly different questions for what i would want to be getting after
1: sure i want to throw on an addendum for you just because we talked about on the patreon but uh, i want to get on the live show uh, or the main show rather uh, there's this uh documentary film called radicalized um mm. i think i i know i've told you about it but it's on means tv a uh, new streaming service that uh, is just all backer financed uh, no, no venture capitalism or whatnot's involved uh, but they've got a documentary on there called "Radicalized" about a group of Occupy protesters uh, who uh, came together and tried to build a, uh, a collective and a commune uh, situation uh, in the aftermath of the LA uh, Occupy uh, uh, protest outside of uh, City Hall or whatever, getting mm-hmm. shut down. Um, so that one's interesting. I've, I've only watched probably three quarters of that doc, but uh, I think if you want to move outside of the realm
0: of narrative uh, fiction, that that might be something worthwhile. Sounds like interesting stuff to me. So uh, there you go, dear listener. Um, those are our thoughts uh, on uh, how we might expand the syllabus. I believe now it is time to get down to business.
2: It's business.
0: That is, in fact, timeless. Our heads all bobbled, therefore we must be at business time. That's Singing what in our head. That's what we do every single time. Every single time. It's quite amusing. Well,
1: look, we used to listen it over uh, the headsets, but when we kept that as the uh, the, the breaker music there for several years, we kind of you don't need to listen to it every week. No, we absolutely don't.
0: Um, so, hey, Dalton, mm-hmm. you did the research. Regale us with a little bit of uh, oh, shit. Okay. historical context. <laughs> I will do
1: my absolute best. So uh, the, the leader of the coup... Uh, General Chun. Chu? General Chu. Shit. Uh, I have Chun down my notes. Went off the rails quick? Yeah, look, I'm pretty sure Chun's not right. I think that was an autocorrect issue. I'm pretty sure it's Chu. Um, So this dude takes over, right? After the president... They got a full JFK situation. This just gets covered in like a a brief two lines at the start of this movie. Uh, The leader, uh, who was I think already a military leader uh, in uh, 79, just gets shot in a meeting by one of the dudes that works for him. Nobody knows to this day why he did it. Uh, So Chu steps in, uh, takes power, um, is the person that you could probably say is directly responsible for uh, the violence uh, at the Gwangju uprising. Uh, My dude ended up being president of Korea and South Korea until 1988, uh, eight years after this. Uh, He was just back in court last year uh, answering new questions. About the use of force of those protests. Uh, He has not once uh, admitted culpability, uh, not once apologized. uh, Investigative journalist. Uh, It turns out there's a lot of Korean news in English on YouTube, if you're interested. I mean, you know, use your uh, critical thinking skills there, obviously, but, uh, you know, as you would do with anything you find on YouTube. Uh, But yeah, ton of. Or
0: with any news you watch. With
1: any news you watch. Thank you, Dustin. Uh, That's very important, too. But yeah, uh, we're talking. Uh, Korean broadcasters uh, speaking in English, uh, there's just a lot of it out there. I, you know, they're they, they are interested in English speakers knowing what's going on. Uh, but, yeah, so there's this uh, uh, investigative journalist, Tim Chirac, uh, who went through a bunch of uh, – grew up uh, or spent some time as a child in Korea, uh, became an investigative journalist, and got his hands on some documents where uh, the U.S. Army, who was at that time, and I think still to some extent, uh, has a little bit of oversight over the South Korean military – uh, authorize that use of force. We didn't say do it, but we said if you do it, we're not going to do anything about it. Yikes. Yep. Uh, and you know, uh, Tim Schrock will point out that the context is important. You know, uh, the, the student protests in Iran led to a full, uh, government, uh, overthrow of a U.S. friendly, um, uh, administration. So, you know, the Carter administration's a little bit o- on edge. They don't need another crisis going on, but that's not a good, it's just disappointing. It's unsurprising, and uh, again, the context is relevant. I think it's worth bringing up why maybe yeah. smart, uh, empathetic people might make that call um, when they're looking at a map instead of looking at people's faces. Uh, but uh, sh- disappointing. Gross. So yeah, uh, basically nobody got in trouble for this, uh, hmm. and that's that's really what I've got for you. I know that there's nothing surprising here. Uh, no. Now again, the people there's a memorial to these people uh, who died. Um, In Gwangju, uh, there's a celebration May 18th every year. Thousands of people from all over the world come uh, Mm. to pay homage to these brave, 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 brave people uh, who stood unarmed against uh, rifles uh, in the name of democracy. Uh, they should we should all be so lucky. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's still, as I mentioned, a hotly contested issue. And again, yeah. you'll see the language uh, uprising, uprising, riots, protests like you'll see all these words used interchangeably for this series, this, this week or so uh, of things that happened in history. Uh, the fact that it is still hotly contested. Uh, is not surprising, uh, you know. We get a little bit further out from historical events. It's easy to say, well, these are clearly the good guys. They were fighting for democracy. But you'll find a historian for every historical event saying, well, no, these people uprising was bad because X, Y, and Z. Well, and, they were commies. I mean, that's the pejorative that's thrown out in the movie, right? Well, and that that is exactly it. Yeah, I mean that that is the reason. You know, you uh, the the narrative. For hardliners at the time would be anybody causing disruption here is opening us up to, you know, communist influence from China or Russia or North Korea. Uh, Again, as precarious as, you know, we talk on the show a lot when we talk about, um, you know, the the world of communist governments, especially during the Cold War. We talk about the existential threat the United States posed to those uh, regimes and, and why that influences their behavior abroad, right? It is worth mentioning that you do have a non-communist uh, country who is surrounded by communist countries. I mean, there is a reasonable uh, fear for the the existence of their government, especially when those uh, power players right next to them are nuclear armed power players. Uh, yeah, okay, I get it, but mm, nah, I don't. I really don't. Well, the, the, and I'm just the threat it,
0: to your you know government. The communist threat would be what democracy. There it is, exactly. I mean, there it is. Uh, when
1: you are telling people who are uh, wanting more democracy, uh, when you were saying uh, they're communists, uh, you're just saying I you're just saying the quiet part loud. You're saying I want less people to have a share, uh, whether that's of political power or money or, you know, both, because uh, those two things are often the same thing. Uh, yeah, it's not a good look. Uh, it's not a good look for you when you say you're just an ideology I don't agree with. Uh, your your democracy is useless to me. Yeah, I, it, it's, it's a dicey time. And again, the more I learn about South Korea's history, the more I'm like, huh? I mean, I'm dumb. I'm such a dumb American. How do I not know all of this? Uh, because, you know, we think of South Korea yeah. now, we think of this, This uh, we think of Seoul. We think of Seoul in the 2010s, and we think of this future city that it's seems like super cool. has Japan, free, right? Yeah, it's yeah. free Wi-Fi everywhere, like the yeah. fastest internet in the world. you got all these gamers who beat us at uh, Overwatch and StarCraft, and you think, well, that seems like a cool place. Uh, and yeah, and then you look into it, and you're like, man, they it's a cool place because they had to fight hard recently. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. People are still alive. And again, as we talked about with the host, and I, you're absolutely right, Arthur, it would have been interesting if we could have... Started this marathon with a taxi driver and worked through Song Kang Ho's filmography in reverse with this, this more nuanced understanding of, of South Korean history. Uh, but yeah, I mean that, that's all I've got for you, uh, listeners. Uh, r- in my notes, there's a lot on this though. I mean, I, I ended up doing probably two and a half hours of research on accident. <laughs> so oh, yeah the and i didn't take enough notes but yeah, i mean there's a lot of info out there if you want to learn more about this but that's thank you dustin for yeah uh, that seems like something we should start with well
0: oh, I, I thought the context was very very important
1: you yeah and the context itself of how it got started i it seems to be nebulous and hard to pinpoint to this day so i didn't really get into that basically there were just a, there was a crackdown on free expression you know universities were closed and that kind of escalated from there is how things got started uh, but, yeah, the the thing that I had the most information on is the aftermath.
0: Well, and I think this sort of brings us to sort of the question I was thinking about with Slavoj Voyage X, uh the event and the idea that the event actually changes something. Because, uh, you know, we've got uh, in 1987, we've got the Tiananmen Square protests in China, which are just quashed and are, you know, disastrous there. And then we've got, uh, again, the whole part of the late 80s and all those um, sort of uh, Eastern European spring moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romania specifically is what I'm thinking about right now. And of course, uh, and then later on in 2014, the Ukraine, uh, all of those governments though that follow thereafter are pretty corrupt again and, you know, pretty problematic nonetheless. I mean, definitely they took some of the jokers out of power that were in power and, uh, even Tahir Square is a good example of that as well. Um, but still, until uh, you know what ends up happening is you replace uh, the bad guy with a military dictatorship, and i 'm not sure what the democratic situation right now in Egypt even is. Uh, At this very point. And and I think the movie that we saw, uh, A Taxi Driver, leads us to believe that this moment catalyzed and changed and galvanized a population in such a way that the world became better because of it. And certainly the world in Korea in some senses is indeed better. But also, we're still making movies like Parasite in 2019.
1: Well, and it's not after, and it is Chun. I, I was wrong. It, it's uh, Chun Du Wan, if you wanted his full name. But uh, yeah, it's not until after Chun's presidency that they, they stop referring to this incident as a... Uh, Uh, a rebellion instigated by communist sympathizers. Wow. Um, So, yeah, it's not until 1997 that a a national cemetery and a day of commemoration takes place. Uh, I I should have included, he did go to prison. Uh, He just got a presidential pardon Uh, uh, in 1997, unsurprisingly. So, yeah, the last two decades, he's very much been uh, hiding under a rock until he's been back in court recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I shouldn't say there's no no money got held responsible, but I'm sorry, you shoot 200 unarmed protesters, you should... I'm not really a death penalty guy, but uh, those are the people that should get the death penalty as You definitely war shouldn't criminals. get out, yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, I, I don't know. I think war criminals, I think we should have a pretty uh, open and shut uh, policy on that one. Um, higher standard. Uh, higher standard for people in power over others.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but
1: I agree, yeah. Even if you, you're not going to move to capital punishment for that type of crime, yeah, you definitely shouldn't get out. Ever. No. Yeah. Not when you use the power of the state to shoot people.
0: (sighs) Come on. So I, I think what we're running up against, though, is one of the things about the historical drama mm-hmm. that we tend to run into is yeah. is the way in which uh, narratives... Uh, and I, I think we just sort of need to name it. And it's sort of one of those things that everybody knows and you know, we don't really mm. talk about uh, that often. We just sort of go, oh, well, you know, it didn't quite end up quite so hunky-dory as it did. But there's, a, there's an expectation, at least uh, in, on the part of filmmakers and of producers, that that is the audience expectation. Mm. And I'm just curious... Uh, do we know movies about protest and failure? Revolutions that didn't work? You know, I mean... I, Is I,
2: Detroit a protest film? I haven't seen it. A, I know it, you've seen it. it but... It's a
0: riot film. It, it's, it's a race riot that yeah. sort of uh, erupts in Detroit. And I don't... I don't remember how it ends, but I mean I don't It just think... ends
1: with the, the like the second half of the movie. I haven't even seen it either. I just I think the, it ends... the second half's a court thing about Yeah. the that incident that the film's mostly about and how right? most of
0: the baddies got off. Yeah. Yeah. and So I mean there's that. I mean I think about Battleship Potemkin, which is about a failed revolution as well, yeah. but it's sort of like and then we have 1917 coming mm. right. So it yeah. it's it, it's got like a historical context that gives it a sense of victory despite its events. Uh, sense of failure, gotcha. if that makes sense. Uh, but you know, we 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 have a tendency though to have these movies play out in such a way that, and then we won racism, and then we won democracy, and then we won you know workers' rights or whatever it happens to be.
1: Well, I mean, there's you know, I, I think part of the problem there is you know there's not a movie about the Watts riots, right? There's, yeah. there's not a, a movie about uh, April '92. You know, there, there is, actually. Really?
0: LA-92 is the name of the movie. I saw it uh, a week ago, two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: good time to have seen it. How does it stack
0: up uh, in this it, conversation? Uh, it, 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 it's the, 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 the sort of debate continues. It yeah. is, it, is sort of how it ends. There you go. I hadn't thought about it, but yeah.
1: yeah I mean, I think most of our um, America's big protest movies are usually about the civil rights movement, and that if you want to pretend things in contemporary America are going great— uh, that that's a story that you can kind of put a shiny lens on, but I even think you know something like Selma does a fairly decent job of of ending on a the fight is never over. Yeah. Ending. yeah. It's like, this was good, but we could do better. We could do better. Yeah. Right. So, and that's, I, I think that's
0: the best move, right? And I, but, I that, but that's, again, looking back on what is basically a victorious movement. Mm. I mean, they did get the Civil Rights Act. Sure. They did get, you know, voter registration acts put in place. Well, you know, and, and so.
1: you know, South Korea is a democratic country for all intents and purposes, as democratic as a country with rampant uh, capitalism can be. Yeah. Uh, you know, it probably they're doing better than we are. They've got mm-hmm. hey, you. You want to know how they're doing better than we are? Take a look at their uh, COVID testing numbers. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's something like uh, we've tested like 23 out of every million people in our country, and they've. Uh, one tested, out of every
0: like, two hundred or something. No,
1: that, that's us. It's twenty three out of a million people has America tested. Ah. Uh, out of every a million American citizens, twenty
0: three have been tested. No, the Korean number. One out of every two hundred citizens.
1: Oh, I think if you do it on a on a per millions, it's even more impressive. Oh yeah, but yeah, I mean they've yeah exactly. They're just they're up on it, mm-hmm. man. So you know they got you know uh, single payer health care system, so which helps. But I mean again, this is to your point, Dustin. When you are telling a story uh, about a historical event, when you're telling. Uh, the story of something that's still a political hot button issue. You are kind of tying your hands. If you want to make a popular film, yeah. y- you have to approach the material from how do I get people on this movie side and not piss them off? How do I get people to open their hearts and not uh, ignore things? And I think having Kim, the Kim character be a veteran, uh, be a political Uh, Be working class. Those are three huge things that are not just integral to this character, but I think are integral to any conversation uh, that we have about uh, civil disobedience and and, uh, political progress, Uh, because it is often uh, people who are apolitical um, are. Are often uh, people who would also benefit
0: greatly from progress. Yeah, I want to I want to come back to his moderateness. So the last thing I simply want to say about the way this movie ends is I do think directors and uh, producers uh, think too little of their audiences because I do think audiences can handle it. I th- I think. An audience can handle uh, an invective, you know. Yeah. They can handle something that's got a point that sort of pushes into the future, rather than sort of neatly tying a bow on the past. It's just we I just we do of have Black an,
2: Klansman, yeah, which kind of has that antagonistic, in, quote unquote, you know. It's not as it's not wrapped up in a nice, neat,
1: yeah, positive package. Quite quite deliberately not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I get the impulse though, right? I mean, the good ending you get to have here is these two dudes who are friends, uh, despite not. Uh, really having the ability to communicate, despite having different goals, uh, these are two people that have a friendship forged in fire and like think fondly of each other for the rest of their lives. Like that's a fun note to go out on. Uh, the real life, as we know, there is no you know corresponding moment where uh, Mr. Kim reads that uh, hints Peter was uh, you know in the paper. He was long dead, right? And that that is the real tragedy is that uh, the person who made this all possible. With uh, was somebody who probably con- continued to toil yeah. uh, working-class existence for another four years until they died yeah. Uh, yeah. from cancer that they probably couldn't afford treatments for because, you know, yeah. Korean, 84.
0: Right, right. So, yeah. Now, I want to come back to uh, Mr. Kim's moderateness yes. because um, I think the film is making an assumption about moderates or apolitical moderates particularly.
1: I think it's also making some uh, assumptions of, about working-class veterans mm-hmm. as well, uh, about their apolitical nature or at least their assumption that the, the military can be... Trusted.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I, I think there's first of all that 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 the apolitical place is that, you know, somebody who's in charge will show up and will fix things. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's. Yeah. I was a
1: sergeant. No soldier would shoot on unarmed civilians can, in their own can,
0: country. Well, that can, wouldn't happen. Can't be real. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. And again, this sort of just general. Go with the flow, kind of trust that goes on, but also I think the movie does make something of a more radical suggestion mm. that exposure to the uh, events themselves, uh, if there is media, if there is a witness, you know, uh, in the in the sort of documentary sense, if that does take place, that those pieces of information would indeed radicalize uh, those moderates.
1: Well, I mean, that is what the, the film supposes about Mr. Kim, right? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is being on the ground and a desire, you know, it's it's his knowledge that being on the ground is unsafe that keeps him uh, politically uh, unmotivated, right? It's only after seeing everything up close that he starts to have a new perspective on it. And even then, he still tries to run away. Right. Uh, and it's only through being shamed uh, by his, uh, you know, it, 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 yeah, contemporaries is the wrong word, but uh, co-workers is also the wrong word, but colleagues, I guess, mm-hmm. by being shamed by fellow taxi drivers about how he's going to give Korean taxi drivers a bad name for bailing on this guy that he overcharged. Like, it's only through that and then seeing political action and then still, like, trying to get to safety. Uh, you know, it, it takes a lot. And I think, again, when you're, uh, as as we were talking about, when you have a story that is a political hot button. Having the protagonist be moderate, I think, is the right move mm-hmm. um, because it allows you to to try and write to an audience that might not be on your side when the movie starts. Right. So I I, I think I think his politics are uh, a convenience of the screenplay,
0: but I also think that they're super helpful in telling the story. I think so too. But I also think there's something uh, real world accurate about it. I sure. I, I think there's. Sure. There, there is something about uh, a healthy swath of any democratic country's uh, population that are generally, you know, again, just they're, they're apolitical. They're they're somewhere there in the middle. Uh, they could vote either way. You know, those kind of things as, yeah. as far as like, you know, in an American context when you only have two parties, which yeah. is, you know, a right and then a further right party. Uh, but wouldn't you have – sorry. Uh, Accurate. <laughs> uh, but whatever it happens to be uh, in terms of those uh, particular kinds of leanings that – exposure to the information. There's a reason why the kind of I don't, do you guys listen to Democracy Now? Out, out of curiosity, I'm
1: familiar with them, but I don't listen to them it's regularly. A, it's,
0: it's independent, non corporate sort of media. Yeah. Um, and, and Amy Goodman is a real investigative reporter. Um, she has a you know a strong sort of a political lens, I think that she uses as well. But it's not like it's not like MSNBC, which is like you know uh, MSDNC. You know, it's it's not doing something along those kind of yeah. lines. It's it, it's more like uh, this is what's going on with uh, you know climate change right now in Chile. This is what's Happening right now with a worker strike in Bolivia. This is what's happening, you know, uh, when there's a, there's this sort of a, a heavy misogynism going on in Germany. It's it's got this internationalist kind of flavor to
1: it. cat uh, yeah. is similar to that, you know, uh, another. Um, uh you know, open, um, non-financed uh, form of journalism. They do a lot of open-source journalism, mm-hmm. and yeah, also from, and that seems to be the case for a lot of this kind of work. It does tend to have an international perspective,
0: right? And I mean, again, then, then she's broadcasting for the United States. So there is a lot of American politics that's analyzed as well, um, and so they definitely do stories about that on Democracy Now. But it's interesting because those kinds of stories don't really make front-page stuff, and it's huge things and the massive things that are happening. And, and I, I sometimes wonder. If uh and again it's 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 all peer reviewed and checked out journalism and all that. Uh so it's it's not it's not one of those things where it's uh an InfoWars kind of, you know, faux journalism yeah. uh, kind of thing. Um but the information itself is not what you see on a CNN or a Fox News or an MSNBC. It's because those things are picking a side and they're taking and the thing is is that Amy Goodman um seems to be as hostile to Barack Obama as she is to Donald Trump. And she seems to be as hostile to Bernie Sanders as she is to Joe Biden, you know, on her issues. And and so there there's a way in which that kind of journalism though does have strong working class values, does have some strong you know in, individual rights. And again, a lot of the sort of lefty kind of liberal kind of uh, freedom uh, rights kind of uh, values underpinning it. But that information is not what gets out. But you let somebody listen to that for a while it seems like that's where it moves the needle on a moderate and that's why, maybe that's why we don't see that in you know regular media that's, that, 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 that's sort of the thing I kept thinking about as I was watching, it's like this is the kind of story that wouldn't even make American news the reason why I don't know this story at all that it even took place is not just because um, you know, history and I didn't take a South Korean history class at some point in my life but it wasn't in 1980 news I, it would seem like that much it would be, it would be something of a footnote there, there was a student protest in South Korea but whatever but we'll talk a lot about the one in China because those are the baddies yeah right yep
1: oh yeah i mean man the and i think looking at the the hong kong and china protests um is a great example to, to kind of look at uh just in terms of compare uh, contemporary comparison uh yeah media gets weird mm-hmm. uh b- private uh corporate media gets very weird with this kind of stuff and it, that's Uh, You know, anybody that tries to tell you there's a liberal media bias, uh, look no further than how large uh, corporate news organizations respond to this kind of stuff. uh, Because it is usually uh, a lot of uh, talking out of both sides of their mouth. Right. Uh, For whatever is convenient for a given day, depending on, you know, if it's something like Hong Kong where the coverage goes on for months and months. Yeah, I mean, you'll watch the things mutate over a couple of weeks. Uh, It's very weird. Uh, thank you for bringing that
0: up, Dustin. Yeah, uh, support independent journalism where you can, people. Yeah, because I mean, there's a whole lot that we just don't know about. There's and, a ton, and, and it's not all kooky, and it'll change it for the better. Yeah. So, um, there you go on to that. Are there other big thematics that we want to sort of address uh, regarding a taxi driver?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Um, with this kind of uh, issue Oscar movie. Beatty issue movie, yeah, they they usually are pretty slim. I guess maybe we could talk about, uh, and I, I think um, again, bringing Selma back in, using action direction uh, techniques um, the, the, to show uh, political violence uh, is an interesting choice. It's something that again Ava DuVernay does in Selma with the, the actual march across the bridge and the, you know the, the yeah. big uh, push the the police make against the marchers and similar action movie techniques are used in the big clash between protesters and the army in this film. Um, And I don't know. I I, I was bothered a little bit, um, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because I just wanted the violence to end, which, okay, yeah, then the movie's doing its job. But I don't know. There's just something a little... Maybe it's because of the car chase towards the end of the film is a little like fun action movie direction, it is very fun. and it's delightful. I had a smile on my face the whole time. I yeah. love these taxi drivers supporting each other. Are you kidding me? That's how the Italian job should have ended. Hell yeah, baby! I mean,
0: yeah, I thought that too. Wow, but yeah. yeah,
1: I don't know. There's something just out of and again, you're right, Arthur. That the the, the balance of tones is really great. Like there's this uh, one of the the other taxi drivers in, in Gwangju, you know, brings in Mr. Kim and, and hence Peter to have dinner with him and his family. Um and there's this quiet moment and they're having fun and the the student who's been translating uh, who Mr Kim ends up you know picking up, uh sings a song for everybody because he wants to compete uh, in some sort of uh, student song uh, thing. It's great, it's adorable, a- and then the gunfire starts. Yeah, uh, and, and it's just like this this great moment, and for some reason that tonal mismatch there like works for me, and there's other tonal mismatches in the film that just. You know, when you're doing it within a scene, it feels deliberate. When you're doing it one scene to the next, it it does feel confused sometimes. And I guess, um, I don't know, I I, I just I'm still struggling with the the way that that scene is depicted because the the bloodshed is I mean, it it is like watching a war movie deliberately. Like it is trying to give the glory and heroism of bloody death uh, that you get in a war film to a protest film, which is. Honestly, a a pretty bold choice. Now that I'm thinking about it, Uh, Mm -hmm. it kind of kicks a lot of ass. But I I don't know. There's just something about the way that that sequence in particular ends. You know, you've got this minor character that comes back with a truck and saves the day, and every, you know, it's it's just a little too convenient, a little too Hollywood. Yeah, it's a little too Hollywood, and maybe that's what it is. It, It is that slow motion, these really juicy squibs, the close ups on rifle actions, expending cartridges. Like it's it is very Hollywood action movie, very Hollywood war movie, and again using that iconography to tell the story of a protest is badass the more i think about it but it is i don't know there's just something incongruous about the maybe my the way my brain has been programmed to respond to certain usage of cinematic language uh that make that scene just i don't know play out not it doesn't feel sad enough i don't know i I, i'm still wrestling with it uh because it is distressing. It's well, deeply it's distressing. It's quiet moments
0: between where the sadness comes yeah. in, where the
1: that, bodies yeah. are laying on the pavement, and that right? stuff really works for me. Yeah, I, I guess and maybe they're trying
2: to move bodies. And, yeah,
1: yeah, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just I've watched enough violent films in my life that squibs always look cool to me. Uh, so that squibby of a gunshot um, with you know slow motion just doesn't quite land. And you're right; it is the moments afterwards when everybody is dead and dying that oh, the movie does kind of like take a moment to breathe and I I totally am there for that moment. But there's something about the use of when graphic violence is deployed in this film. It's just, I don't know, it's not even when it's deployed in this film. It's just that really that one sequence Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a little troubled by because I think the violence that happens that night, uh, you know, when they encounter the planes, uh, closed soldiers, that stuff all feels like very real, very dangerous, uh, very not Hollywood, very not showy. Nobody gets into a big, there's no like cool moment where there's a fight you right. know, when the, Mr. Kim squares off against this plainclothes guy, and you, are, you know going into this scene that Mr. Kim's a veteran, you're, you're like, are they going to have a fight? Are they going to have like a real movie like a fight real right, movie right movie now? Fight, yeah. yeah, and they have a tussle. Mm-hmm, and it yeah. ends about how you would expect. The guy that's more prepared, that has the weapon, ends up winning. Right. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. There's no, not a lot of Hollywood at that moment. Um, and, you know, tough decisions have to get made by our protagonists. It's, it's really harrowing stuff. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm just uh, troubled by that one particular sequence for whatever reason.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, Yeah, I'll have to think more about that. I I wasn't moved in the same way that you were, but yeah, I I, I think you make a good point uh, regarding that. So uh, I guess if we don't have any further things to tackle, though, let's render a verdict at this time regarding a taxi driver. What do you say? Shelf or trash for a taxi driver? I go to you first, Dalton, with your Robert De Niro frown. Yeah, this
1: was my thinking face. Um,
0: Looked like your pooping face. Yeah, let's
1: put it on the shelf. Okay. Um, There actually are quite a few movies about this, Um, I did not get to watch any of them in time for prep, but um, this is not Korean cinema's only uh, take on these events, but I'd be very curious to see what other ones look like. This one seems to be a really interesting perspective, uh, one that does allow for an apolitical perspective going in. Uh, You know, I imagine this is the the movie that, uh, you know, politically-minded Korean people my age show their their crusty old grandparents, right? I mean, this is the movie you take your grandparents to to get them to admit that sometimes the government does bad stuff. Well, it's a Green Book. I mean, it's that kind of equivalent. I mean, that's the thing that's so frustrating, though, because that is, uh, you know— if I found out that people had the same opinion, uh, like, if I found out, like, a real hardcore Korean cinephile has the same opinion of a taxi driver that we have of Green Book, like, if it's kind of treated with dismissiveness yeah. and derision, that would be really disappointing. Uh, because I do feel like this film is nuanced uh, at least a little bit. But, yeah. again, there's just stuff that we don't know. Yeah. And that's is – I mean, this is the same thing. People who like Green Book like it because there's things that they don't know that they should know. Uh, yeah. That are troubling about that film, right. and that that's really where it gets messy. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there is, as you to, to your point, Arthur, there is something valuable here. I, I think unpacking um, the politics of when do you disobey your government are a little bit easier to get people to understand than uh, racial politics. Weirdly enough, uh, one of those things is pretty clear. One of those is you know invented uh, by like five hundred years of disinformation by Europe. So right. Oh, man, it's it's hard to unpack, but I think, yeah, I think it's super shelfable. I think there is a lot to love here. And you no, know, I've been kind of the coolest in my reception of the, the three of us, but I think it's really charming. Um And you're like, yeah, you are gonna cry, like promise. Yeah. All right. Well, thank yeah.
2: you very much for that. What do you say, Arthur? Shelf or trash? Oh, definitely. I it's in my wheelhouse. I have a a strong wheelhouse of uh, Oscar Beatty. Yeah. Uh, well, you like dramas. journalism movies. Yeah. And so I think it's one that's very well done, and so it's definitely going on my shelf. I. With ease.
0: Very good, very good. Um, I'm also going to shelf it because I think it's super watchable, and I'm kind of wanting to become a Song Kang-ho completist at this point. I just like him. There's only,
2: like, what, 30 movies left now? Yeah, so get the rest. Uh a number streaming, so, I mean, you've got a pretty good chance of catching a. Oh, yeah. I know uh, JSA, uh, Park Chan-wook's, one of our earliest films, I think, has song in it. Oh, in that it one's streaming. supposed to be a lot of fun. Yeah, That's, that's just a
1: straight-up action movie. JSA, yeah. 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 Uh,
2: so, uh, yep. The Drug King, I think, is streaming as mm-hmm. well. Where he's like a drug lord, I is believe. Is this a
0: sequel to The King yes. Where King? He- yeah. Is yeah. Thirst He's streaming? a world champion.
2: He's got to defend his title against... Uh, this, this is a Thirst th- is not. That's ah, too bad. I wish it was.
1: Well, this is a fun place to end things. Do, does it, do we have a favorite from our, our Song of Praise? Is there a verse that sits with uh, either of you stronger? Um, you know, Stands head and shoulders above the other films?
0: Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance I like a lot. Yeah? Yeah.
1: I
2: think I'd probably put this in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance up there.
1: Really? Yeah. Guys, I'm still all about The Foul King. The Foul I King's good.
2: love that movie. I, I think love it is... a lot, but I think there's a lot of flaws in it that yeah. hold it back for me. Yeah. I mean, there's some subplots
1: fun. that don't make sense. Sure. I, 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 I have enough fun with that movie, and I, yeah. I like how unconventional the ending is. Mm. Yeah. I really go yeah. for that movie.
0: All righty. Well, there you go, dear listener. That is the end of our song of praise. We've sung the last refrain, and we're going to move into some uh, potpourri time, I I think, right? Is... I believe so. Yes. Well, so, well, say it, yeah.
2: I, I, You know, coming out of this month, I thought it'd be smart to do something very serious, very just straight-lined, mm. and then buy the book. And so next week, we're going to be looking at uh, the the lauded tour, Martin Campbell's <laughs> uh, The Mask of Zorro, mm. starring Antonio Banderas, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and Anthony Hopkins. Hey, he's got a mustache, so he's Mexican. Best movie. Anthony Hopkins. This movie
1: made a ton of money. Oh, it wait. made so much money that they made a sequel. It uh, made like, money off me. We're big. I, I did too. I, I, I was uh, there. I paid. Yeah. Oh, we were all there to I, see Captain I was Zeta-Jones. a tiny child, and uh, mm-hmm. I, oh yeah, I had it's some some very important. I had some very some very important moments happen for me in the theater <laughs> uh, when I saw this movie. Yeah, I, uh,
0: a lot of money, a lot of people who are not Mexican playing Mexican. Yeah. Um. So we'll talk about that next week. So you keep watching. We'll keep talking. And We'll see you all next time.